1: Prize picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit slash Play100 and use code Play100. That's code Play100 at slash Play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy.
2: Hi Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi,
1: Barbie.
0: rank squad and welcome to Rank fc it's your favorite football podcast back for another week back from portugal back talking about general football again all things are returned to normality for this week my name is jack collins and i will be your host today and joining me is our rank mr sam Tai. hello my friend hello mate and of course our transfer guru mr
3: d jones hello mate hello mate how are we all good yeah, not too bad. Yeah, kids have got hand, foot and mouth, but we won't go into that right now. Sounds We're not bit... going to go
0: into this again. I genuinely thought this was a disease that only cows got. So um, we've yeah. yeah, we've all learned something today. Well, you
3: learned that Sam told you cows don't have hands. That and that's is how true. You... It's that's fact. how you
0: work it out. This is it
3: is fact. Fact. I've, um, yeah. I've got no running water.
2: That's oh. like, yeah, well, the, the storm has has done something to the um the the, the water system in on my ne- in my neighbourhood, and there's big vans outside, and they're all trying to get in. Someone's garden is like leaking and gushing, and I've got nothing. So I think their garden has everything. in My house, yeah, they got nothing. all the water. You got nothing. Yeah. I'm going to no. go over there with a bucket later.
0: They should do a documentary on this on Amazon or something. They could call it all or nothing. Um, and it could be about <laughs> running water in Sam's block of flats. Um, that's what we're gonna go with. Right, we're gonna talk title races there, and I'm very excited about it. I was thinking about this. We've done this episode before, we did it back in the BR Football ranks days, we did it last year. I think it's one of my favourites for the year when we start to look, you know, about this time and the run-ins start to come into fruition. About what are the most exciting title races left in the season. So I'm actually really buzzing for this one. But before we get into all of that, um, it's time for things we love. And DJ, you're going to start us off this week.
3: Yeah, and it really is a thing I love this week because MLS is back this weekend. The regular season is returning. Uh, of course, I'm excited about this. Um, everybody should be. Let's just recap on where the last season ended. Um, NYCFC beat Portland Timbers on Whoop. penalties Back in December, Sam's NYCFC. Sam's NYCFC, um, right. um, yes. Not exactly. giving, I'm,
0: not giving, I'm still not giving him
2: this. Prefix.
3: Correct prefix. Correct <laughs> prefix. Anyway, so yeah, they are the, the reigning champions. Um, not too sure many people predicted that would happen. So as we go into a new campaign, um, most teams will have hope of making history for themselves. And look, there's some amazing new players on show this season in MLS. Zerdan Shaqiri has joined Chicago Fire Douglas Costa has joined LA Galaxy, and surely the biggest of all, Lorenzo Insigne has joined Toronto from Napoli. Unbelievable, really, isn't it, that? Um, So, yeah, it all kicks off uh, February 26th. If you're not that into MLS, try to make this the year you give it a go. Like, Choose a team, follow them. And if you live local to a club, I get loads of messages through ranks of people like live quite close to an MLS club, but they support... Liverpool or Dortmund or something. And they're like, I'm like, go and check out that team because it's really cool. Like, whoever it is will have its own culture, its own story. Go and become part of it. Like, even if it's only occasionally, like, it's fun. It's still live football and it is a good standard, obviously. Um, I kind of took LFC into my heart just because I go to LA a lot, never really felt much for Galaxy and it just happened that they had a new team starting up. So I jumped on that bandwagon and I've got some hope uh, if Carlos Vela can actually stay fit for this season, that will help. He's technically the best player in this league when he's in form. So that not not
0: He not, might not be with Lorenzo turning up there. We'll honest.
3: see. Yeah, we'll see. Um, he's not useful but... for July though, is he? That is true.
0: That is true. There's a lot going yeah, on.
3: Exactly. But... Um, Yeah, a lot, lots to be excited about for everyone. And and look. Obviously, and it, a lot of our listeners do live in America, so you'll all know how best to, to follow these matches already. But in the UK, we get really good coverage of MLS now. And just for people who are here and just want to catch a game on this opening weekend, the first game um, between Philadelphia Union and Minnesota United is on free sports. So you can grab that quite easily. You'll be able to grab a stream too easily for that because it's on TV. Um, it's followed straight on by LAFC and they play Colorado Rapids. Maybe the sexiest matchup of that night is um, into Miami in their new pink kits against Chicago Fire and Shakiri potentially making his debut there. So that's at 11 p.m. UK time. So if you're still up, why not stick that on? Or there's Galaxy against NYCFC on Sunday, which I'm sure Sam will be watching because they are part of his heart. Of course. But yeah, lads, it's back. Yeah. And, you know, it's it is hard to keep up with MLS throughout an entire season. But um, I'm always on it early doors. It does fade a little bit when it becomes hard to keep up and we've got big things going on here in like May and stuff. But then you can jump back into it um, towards the back end of the regular season and then as it heads into the playoffs and it gets all lively again. So I'm sure you're excited, Jack.
0: It doesn't clash with anything, which is why I love MLS, right? Like you, you just kind of get to the end of the watching kind of night at this time of year um, and you get to, you know, the last game, even like the last game in Portugal often ends about 10 o'clock and you're like, oh, I guess we're done now. And then suddenly you're like oh, there's a whole raft of other games of football I can now watch. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I do. I'm a big, big fan, as you know. I'm excited about Atlanta United getting back to the top of the tree here. This is something I, uh, you know, I'm you really looking forward to. New Forest kit, green, big fan of this. But, you know, Tiago Armada, Sam, who we've been kind of, Knocking around as a name for a while, a lot of football manager heads here will be uh, will be excited about Thiago Almada and were for years to come. Um, I'm, I think it's a really cool one as a designated player signing, and also uh, Luis Araujo, who only not only shares a, a name with my girlfriend, um, but also was obviously at Lille for for a while, and and has now bopped up in in Atlanta's colours. So that's mm. exciting. Um, there's there's lots of going on here, and yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited about the season getting underway. So we're going to be looking at a little bit more in depth at MLS hopefully later on in the week. Uh, we're going to be looking at getting some bits and bobs on our YouTube channel. It's just going to be a running theme. We're, uh, we're trying to expand our YouTube offering. Um, so we're looking at trying to get some some voices on MLS and what to expect from this season a little bit later in the week. But yeah, just as a starting point, very, very excited.
2: Very much so. The beauty of MLS is that it's unpredictable and exciting. You don't take it 100% seriously because it's aware of what it is and you should be too. And I saw something really cool the other day. Someone did some research and basically, the statistics suggest that you're more likely to finish in the playoff spots if you didn't finish in them last season. <laughs> and that's because, obviously, the top teams get gutted, right, by, by Europe's best uh, teams. So they lose their best players. And it's very true to its American core in how um, it resets and t- in terms of who's good and who's not, which makes it an incredibly unpredictable league. And it means that a team like Cincinnati, who stunk the place out last year, could quite conceivably be like four or five times as better and and end up in the playoffs this season. It, it, there's there's no rules to it.
0: Yeah, it uh, is one of those. There's there's lots to love. You, I think this is it. You take you take MLS for what it is, right? You take it at its at its face value, and you just sit down and enjoy it. And it's chaotic and mad and and sometimes incredibly unpredictable. But I think that's why we love it and and why you should be giving
2: it a go. Mm. Um, right, Sam, over to you for your thing we love. Yeah, well, Dean's looking forward there, and I'm, I'm just gonna take us back a little bit and look backwards to something that we weren't able to talk about due to our Porto special uh, last week, but something I did want to bring up because it's, it's still on my mind and it's still something I genuinely love. It's the Cesar Azpilicueta penalty antics for Chelsea in the Club World Cup final against Palmeiras. This is so, so clever. And like, I saw an article recently that said that suggested that penalties are becoming much more of a team effort and for a long, long time, literally like almost 100 years, we uh, we consider penalties to be a solo task. You know, one player steps up and takes a penalty. He kicks the ball. There is another player on the line who tries to stop it. It is 1v1. But we definitely saw a few things with England over the last uh, three, four years. Gareth Southgate has tried to make it more of a team effort. He does that thing where he makes the goalkeeper pass the ball to the impending penalty taker you know you pass the baton to me I'll take this bit and then I'll pass it on to somebody else there's lots of developments in this area that people are trying to make sure that this is more of a team effort and there's a psychology behind that and then Chelsea go ahead and take another huge step forward there with Aspilaqueta pretending he's going to take a penalty so the Palmeiras players all bunch around him and group up on him and try to put him off and try to stand around him. And as Azpilicueta stands by the penalty spot. That means they can get all of their mind games out of the way on him. And then just as the referee clears the whole thing out, as Azpilicueta hands the ball to Kai Havertz, who has been preparing in the background. Nobody knew he was going to take the penalty. He's able to complete his ritual, step up, fire home, and Chelsea win the Club World Cup. I'm not overstating this. This is genuine genius. This is genius from Azpilicueta, Havertz, And maybe Tuchel and Chelsea as well. Really, really clever stuff. And I can't help but come away from innovations like that in football and just like be completely and utterly in awe of them. Really, this is incredible to watch.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It was it was so so intelligent, isn't it? And you know what they talk? We talk about experience and youth a lot of the time, right? And that is just obviously. Then it might well have been planned, as you say. But if it hasn't. That is a sign of just an experienced captain taking things into his own hands in a really like pressure cooker moment, um, and and we often say that you know look there's lots of you know it's always really exciting when teams are very young and they're coming through and you're like oh what a group this is but just a kind of reminder of what experience can do for you on the biggest stages and just a, a really really clever little ploy there from from Cesare Spilicueta. I'm just uh, amazed.
3: Yeah, I'm just amazed that Chelsea are risking letting this guy leave. Like it, it truly baffles me. Like their their approach to these contracts, and Quetta should have just been signed and sealed months ago, just to make sure he's there for another year. He wanted to stay. He still wants to stay at Chelsea. Ideally, but the way it's all panned out, he's a bit unsure about whether he should. And that's really weird. He's a great leader. He's been a great player, great servant. You don't get that many players that hang around for this long and play at this level in the team and become captain. And honestly, if Chelsea lose him as well as Rudiger and Christensen, it's going to be monumental, to be honest.
0: Yeah, a real changing of the guard. Um, right, I'm going to take us on to a last thing we love. Um, and sorry for playing the basics, but I need to talk about the Europa League. Oh, do you? Yeah, sh- I, mean, sh- I mean, not only... Every time, look, if you love something lows, right, and you're constantly pushing it and talking about how brilliant it is, right, there's this kind of feeling of trepidation before it begins because you're like, what if it doesn't live up to it? Like, Mate, every time. Like
3: Ramadan Sobe to win the Ballon d'Or. Tell <laughs> yeah, me about it. it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, but like, every time, even this week, like, obviously the group stages were great. This is a new format for the, um, uh, for the knockout stages with this kind of playoff round. I've been really excited and we've been looking at the draw going, this is maybe more exciting as a draw than the Champions League. And then suddenly it's like 10 minutes to kick off in the first ones, you're like, Well, if it's not good, (laughs) what's rubbish? And I've just been like absolutely singing its praises before we can. Thankfully, as usual, the Europa League has delivered almost four goals a game uh, across the course of this playoff round. It was just absolutely intense and believably entertaining. And I think there's only one of the eight ties that's fully signed, sealed, and delivered, which is kind of madness, considering that, you know, they've got eight relatively well-balanced fixtures here. In fact, I think severe being... Dinamo Zagreb 3-1 probably sees that one out. Um, but even then, we've seen Dinamo and Mishlav come back from some ridiculous places before uh, yeah. in this competition uh, in order to, to get themselves through. So, But I would say that's probably the, the one that looks the most signed, sealed and delivered, especially given Sevilla's record in this competition. But you look at everything else and you're thinking everything's still on the table and especially with no away goals. You now look at this and go, oh, every second leg still has something to play for. The big shock of the round, obviously Rangers going to Dortmund, winning 4-2 and tearing them apart. And Rangers were absolutely brilliant. Ryan Kent, unbelievable. Um, What a performance from him. Tied Manuel Akanji in knots. I mean, Akanji was playing right back, which isn't ideal, I imagine, you know, at the best of times. But Ryan Kent was almost unplayable uh, on that left-hand side for Rangers and they were just pretty unbelievable throughout Um, there were some absolutely ridiculously high-quality goals including those two from Dortmund which probably mean this isn't quite done yet especially if Erling Haaland decides to chuck his hat back into the ring and go oh no I want to play in this one now Um, so there's obviously that to to consider as well but you know some really really good games in Zenit, Betis there were four goals in the first 25 minutes Betis were 2-0 up after 10 and it was 2 all by 20 Um, very very exciting starting there Barca Napoli was a a really even contest well really even in terms of the first half. And then Barcelona just forgot how to score goals. Um, and Ferran Torres missed a hat-trick of unbelievable chances. Um, Sheriff beat Braga 2-0, kind of against the run of play for, for long periods of this. Braga are the best side. That goes now back to Portugal. Um, they'll feel like they can still overturn that tie. Two all in Leipzig, between Leipzig and Real Sociedad. Porto won 2-1 at home against Lazio. They have to go to Rome now and, and win that and keep their heads, which, as we all know from last week's episode, isn't the easiest thing in the world for Porto to do. Atalanta to beat Olympiacos 2-1 at home. Um, it- they're all just quite nicely balanced um, and going into this second leg of, uh, of ties, I'm really excited about what the outcomes are going to be. Um, as I said earlier, we're, we're expanding our YouTube offerings this year, um, this calendar year, shall we say, and I started a new show on there called UE Ultras, um, which basically focuses on the best of the Europa League and the Europa Conference League and, and talks about them in a bit more detail. So if you're more interested in hearing more, there will be, on Thursday morning, a 20-minute show or so on the Europa League on our YouTube channel, so make sure you go and check that out if the Europa League continues to be up your street and it really should be hmm. it really should be
3: absolutely yeah Rangers that the atmosphere at that Rangers game is going to be absolutely electric like they really sniffed the chance to make some history here and that Rangers they're very different at, uh, fortunes really these Rangers and Dortmund teams so obviously Rangers beat Dortmund 4-2 massive result and then Dortmund on the back of that at the weekend they went 6-0 against Gladback. Like I'm not saying it was the most convincing 6-0 I've ever seen because it wasn't. But um it was still 6 0 It still won six-nil and you can't knock that however it came about. And it wasn't like the, the other team was down to eight men or anything like that. Um, so that that has to be taken into account. Um and of course, Rangers, they, they well, they suffered a big setback, didn't they? They, yeah, they, they failed points. to beat Dundee United. Yeah, so a 1-1 draw for them at Dundee United after beating Dortmund 4-2. <laughs> that, that's a come down for you. Football it's doesn't make those, any sense, it? does it? It just makes no, no sense four. whatsoever.
0: You score four at the Stadion and then you don't take any shots at Tannerdice. Um, you know, <laughs> strange days, strange old days. Um, but alas, here we are. And um, what an exciting competition we have left. Right. After the break, we're going to be turning our minds to domestic matters and looking at the best title races that Europe has to offer this year. Don't go anywhere.
1: Price Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit slash play 100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at pricepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Price Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.
0: Welcome back to Rags FC. We're going to be talking title races. Just before we do, and before I hand over to Sam to set down the parameters, I'm just re-pointing you to our shirt giveaway from last week. Still running to the end of this week on our social channels. Uh, You can win a signed Porto shirt from the entire squad. Um, All the... Well, all the instructions are over on our Twitter at Rank Squad or our Instagram at Rank.Squad. All you have to do is follow us and make sure you share the post um, and listen to last week's episode, our our Porto special, um, in order to be in a chance
2: to win. And with that, Sam, over to you. Yes, thank you very much. Ranking Europe's most exciting title races that I've. I've tended to keep the focus on the big five leagues um, because that's where we sort of that's where our bread and butter is but ultimately there's a bit of a debate there nowadays isn't there as to what the big five leagues are because of the France-Portugal issue Um, and look this was actually made quite easy for me because there doesn't really appear to be much of a title race over in France, does there? I know that PSG have just, trying. They lost it all weekend. <laughs> they just dropped the ball <laughs> against Nantes. But When PSG keep, keep losing and
0: everyone else just keeps losing as well, you're like, come on, they're giving you a go.
2: Yeah, yeah. But that doesn't, no one's biting. Uh, no one's biting. PSG r- popping in the rod and there's, nothing's happening. So, yeah, we're going uh, to leave France out of this one. And uh, we'll start at number five. And it is the Primera over in Portugal. Portugal's top tier. Now, we've just had a, a nice taste of this one. Just did a whole episode on it. And uh, we had a very lovely trip over to the Drag Owls to watch Porto versus Sporting, which was a pretty big game in the context of the title race. Okay, there's still uh, 11 games out from completing the season, but this was an opportunity for Porto to move nine points clear. They didn't take it, they drew. So the gap remains at six to Sporting. Then they both won at the weekend. So the gap remains at six. They will not play each other again this season, but Porto will have to play Benfica. I'd say typically speaking, in a usual season, that would be the biggest opportunity maybe for sporting to say, hey, they could drop three points here. Maybe not the case this year. Ultimately, this is just a a war of attrition. Who can stay consistent and who can grind out those wins the longest, which is going to be a theme, of course, in title wins. But Porto, of course, have the edge. They are unbeaten in the league this season. 20 wins and three draws from 23 games. It's the longest unbeaten streak in the top 14 leagues, which is... Quite incredible, to be honest with you. However, they lost the best player in Portugal in January. Luis Diaz joins Liverpool. Sporting only strengthened by adding a couple of pieces to their squad. Sporting will be hopeful that that could be enough to give them an edge, but it's still a six-point gap, and Porto are unbeaten and look like they're going to go the distance. So I've put them at five, but just bear in mind that all five of these title races are, in fact, alive and kicking. and I don't think we're expected to get to this point.
0: No, I didn't. I don't think so either. It felt like you know anything above sort of six points feels like too big a gap. Mm. But alas, it, it's not going to be more than six points. You know, for for what we can see right now, there's also this kind of question that Porto are probably better placed to progress in Europe um, than either of their two rivals, considering they're in. You know, they've dropped down a tier into the Europa League. Um, obviously, they've got to get through that tie at Lazio, as we said in the in the first part. But you know, they they are winning that where they're winning that tie on aggregate right now um, as, as of recording. Um, and if they continue to progress there, then they might have a, you know, a second front to fight on. Uh, whereas it looks like sporting are going to be pretty much done and dusted in Europe. I don't see them overturning a 5-0 deficit away from home. Um, and Benfica <laughs> have not? a really tricky... No, no, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll give you it. Um, and Benfica have a really tricky task against Ajax over two legs. So, um, yeah, it does feel like Porto probably have the most... You know, in terms of most leverage, in terms of getting European and getting deep in a European competition, and one, the question is whether that affects them uh, and their domestic form. So, yeah, a uh, really exciting.
3: I just want to pick up on the back of the Porto episode. I got a lot of comments and messages saying how much people loved uh, like hearing inside the stadium and, and what it was like, and that that segment where we just played out the crowd noises. People people loved it. Um, but what was that tweet we got through? Because obviously, we spoke on the episode about the. The tannoy, ah, yeah. Yeah. the guy, the announcer, like g up the fans. And, and someone actually explained it to us, it didn't they? did,
2: yeah. So, I mean, I mentioned that there didn't there appeared to be a different set of rules in Portuguese football to what we were accustomed to. And one of the examples I gave was that about 70 minutes in, when the crowd had just gone into a bit of a lull, the, the announcer jumped on the PA system and started a chant which I thought was not allowed. I, I also you know, was fully accepting the fact that maybe there were different rules. There are not different rules. It has been explained to us. That is obviously not allowed. Um, however, <laughs> at the risk of a small fine, sometimes it is worth doing. That was basically how it was put. Sometimes it's, amazing. it's worth the risk of the fine. Bring it to Euros, the prem. Bring it to the prem. Porto don't care. They just want to get the crowd rocking again. And
3: 10 minutes later, they scored. So uh, money well spent. I want, yeah. like, the Burnley PA announcer chanting, like, Sean Dyche's Barmy Army or something. <laughs> like, just, uh, every time there's a corner or something. Yeah. <laughs> really, really getting into it. Absolutely. <laughs> how, did we, how did
2: we manage to get Sean Dyche into a title race episode, eh? <laughs> Especially in the Portuguese bit. That's the, uh, the really <laughs> important bit. Uh, right, okay. We made out of five then, Sam. What's in it for? Okay, with a bit of a heavy heart, this is where I've decided to put La Liga over in Spain. This has been really frustrating, hasn't it? Because Real Madrid are showing, like, This is not anti-Madrid, for sure, but we just love title races. But they're showing a bit of vulnerability. They're showing a bit of fragility. They're dropping points against lesser sides. They've only won three of their last six in La Liga. That's not exactly title-storming form. But everybody else refuses to comply. And particularly, we're pointing the finger at Sevilla there, who have been within four points of them very recently, but have just drawn way too many games, squandered too many leads, and the gap remains at 6. Now, I guess what I'm saying in putting this one above the Portuguese at the, the Primero is that I guess I'm thinking that Sevilla probably have more in the tank than maybe Sporting do to close the gap on Real Madrid than Sporting would on Porto, but it's close. It's really close. And I guess also what plays a factor here is that um in Spain we do also have Real Betis who okay, again, are 5 points back. But there's a cluster of clubs here who can maybe maybe have a say and make this really quite interesting and La Liga right now to me feels like the league above all others that anybody can genuinely beat anybody. I think that's the thing that the Premier League has clung on to as a bit of a slogan over the years. And it it may well still be true. I think it's less true than it was. But in La Liga, I genuinely, I find results just to be baffling quite often. Uh, Big teams versus small teams, middling teams, Athletic Club winning the Derby 4-0 against Real Sociedad on Sunday. It's just crazy, left, right and centre. And that, that plays a part and that can create obstacles, banana skins. And I think it makes for a more enthralling title race when they really do appear to be zero guarantees.
0: Yeah, I, I think kind of the key point here is that, you know, Barcelona seem to have turned their form around. They're playing some really nice stuff and um, they're still not going to be going anywhere near a title race. They've left it way too late for that. But you'd imagine they still might have a say in it. Um, and, and like you say, you know, Atleti have been really poor. Their title defence has been a bit of a shambles, frankly, um, aside from Lille. I can't remember anyone having this bad a go at defending a title, especially Lester. given that, well, yeah, <laughs> that is true. Leicester also had a terrible time in it. Um, but, you know, you can imagine that it comes to a Madrid derby and all that goes out the window, right? Mm. Because you're, you're looking at something that... that, that kind of relies on passion and, and moments and, and all of those things. And, and there's still an incredible amount of talent in this Atleti squad. You know, all they need to do is turn up in that game and, and Barcelona to turn up in a Clasico and Sevilla to, to win a couple of games. And suddenly things are, are right back in the mix. And I think Betis, sadly, you know, from my heart, of hearts are too far back. 11 behind, uh, 11 behind Real Madrid. But, mm. um, but you know, you look at this and you think, you know, if betters keep just sort of ticking along and winning games, um, then quietly you can be dragged back into it with sort of five, six games to play, and you know there will be a game. betters will have to play. Will have to persevere at the weekend. They could be back within two points. Um, you know, of, of their cross-city rivals. That would be good news for Real Madrid if Betis were win to, for, to win that game because it would allow them to open up the gap even further. But it does mean that, you know, one result away from Betis leapfrogging Sevilla into, into second if they were to get the win at, at a Pitoin. So you're kind of looking at this and thinking, what comes next? And it's going to revolve around people dropping points. But I think why I, I'd agree with you that this is above the made and actually... We'll get to it, but I would have put both of them above the Bundesliga um, it because it's because it does feel like anyone could beat anyone and that it feels like there are weird twists and turns to come. Um, now, whether those twists and turns actually change the dynamic of who wins the, the title, I don't know. But I think they definitely feel like twists and turns to come in Spain. And that's important when you're putting these things in a, in a ranking, right?
2: Mm, absolutely.
0: Do you want to get on to number three then? And this is where I'd imagine you would have stuck it.
2: Yeah. I mean, I've gone with the Bundesliga at three, surprised even myself. I feel like a bit of a hypocrite when I woke up this morning and just, just checked that and just thought, oh yeah, I'll pop that in there. Because for a long time, we've, we've done nothing but doubt Borussia Dortmund's credentials, their mentality, their resolve. And I have to respect the fact that over the course of 2022... Rangers game aside in the Europa League, um, they've been they've been pretty solid and they just won 6-0. Did that influence me? Possibly. <laughs> We're not not really <laughs> sure. But I did not think that we'd get to mid to late Feb and Dortmund would still be just like within within shouting distance essentially of Bayern Munich. I also didn't think, and this might just be the key, I didn't think Bayern Munich would look quite so fragile themselves once we got to this point. It's been weird, hasn't it? And it's opened the door a little, even though they've managed to maintain that 6 point gap although to be fair over the course of over the course of the last 6 Bundesliga games Dortmund have closed the gap by 3 so it was 9 it is now 6 so they are actually making up that ground i'm not saying that i'm i'm not saying that Dortmund are going to win this title however they're making it way more interesting than i thought technically possible and again with 11 games to go in the Bundesliga There is a Dortmund-Bayern game on the horizon. Unfortunately, it's at the Allianz Arena, so it's a bit of a problem for Dortmund. They don't tend to win there, but they never win there. But it's become much more interesting than I thought it would be. And there's the same argument that applies to the Bundesliga that did to La Liga. Anybody can just be anybody. Like, again, there are no rules with this stuff. Apart and from Gladbach, who are terrible. Apart from Gladbach, sadly. But even, even you know, by me, they just, they've just lost 4-2 to Bochum, which is a bit weird. And then they play a bit a bit weirdly in the Champions League and stumble to a 1-1 draw against Salzburg. And they play Furth at the weekend. Furth are awful. They're absolutely awful. Okay, they won 4-1, but they were one down. Grau Every time I looked, they hit in the post. It was a really, really ropey performance. And Bayern's weird recent fragility has led me to this position where I'm like, could they? Could could they? Genuinely, could they? I'm not. I'm not ruling it out. I didn't think I'd be sat here doing that, but that's where I am. I think I am ruling it out. Oh,
0: you're <laughs> I'll so be boring. Honest. Look, I, I love title races. You know this. I don't want to rule anything out. I want these things to all go down to the wire. You know, ideally, I've got, you know, two teams on the same points and the same goal difference playing each other on the last day of the season. You know how, <laughs> how like drenched in narrative I like my football. Um, but, It just doesn't feel... Dortmund still feel so fragile, despite the fact that they're closing the gap, despite the fact that, you know, I agree with you that Bayern feel fragile. The problem I have is that everyone around them does as well, um, with with the exception of maybe Leipzig, who feel like they're just sort of trucking along nicely, to be perfectly honest. But they're too far off, aren't they? But they're too far off. Um, And and I think that that's why I'd have the Bundesliga lower. Mm. Um, It just... Because even if Bayern feel fragile. And I agree with you on, on that point. I just think that they've just got enough over the next 11 games to not drop six points. Um, and, and I think that will be the ultimate thing that it comes down to um, because, you know, we, we look at this and just go, will they get this over the line? And for me, the answer is probably yes. They've had some injury issues. Um, I think as those players return and as things get back to kind of normality, Bayern will just probably see this out. They're so used to it. Mm. They're so used to doing it. And I just think they do it again.
3: Probably, yeah. But I mean... Madrid are going to do that too. So, like, I think there's less of a I feel like race. Madrid.
0: Are, I feel like Madrid are more vulnerable than Bayern
3: are. I don't think Madrid are very good, but they will win the league. Like, they, I think <laughs> they will win the league. The only thing I think is that Dortmund will put up potentially a good fight here if Haaland is back on the pitch. That's the thing that we have to consider here. Like, Haaland has missed a lot of games this season. And, you know, when you're considering that this guy is about to go and sign one of the biggest contracts we've ever seen in football. Like his injury record is pretty weird for a guy of his age. And like, I do think that has to be talked about at some point down the line about Mm. like how long this guy can play this style of football for at this level. But that's for a few years time. But ultimately I think he's missed 14 games for injury this season. He should be back. uh, If not this week, then next week that the guy scores at least a goal a game. He's got, (laughs) he's got, what was it? 80... I think he's got eighty goals and seventy nine games, something like that. Whatever it is, it's unbelievable his record for for Borussia Dortmund. And if he is back on that pitch, Marco Royce, like pretty much won them the 6-0 game single-handedly at the weekend. He got three assists. He got two goals. He could have got the double hat-trick, but he handed over the penalty in the last minute to Emre Chan. Very kind of him, but I certainly wouldn't have done that. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, let's see if he's back on the pitch. But yeah, just to confirm, by the way, he has scored 80 times in 79 games for Dortmund. Um, if anyone can take it away from them, mm-hmm. if anyone can make a fight mm-hmm. of this, it's Erling Haaland in his last season at Dortmund.
2: Jack, would you put yeah. um, would you put the Bundesliga below the Primera
0: Yeah,
3: you would. You put them last. Yeah, I put them. In, well, I put them last. I put them above France. Um, France, but, even, France didn't make the list. Mm-hmm. France in the ranking. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But I would have had them fifth of this ranking. Yeah, that's oh, how I would God. have had it. Um,
3: yeah, little just, faith.
0: No you know what I'd love to have faith but unfortunately you can only base faith on on past things and yeah. Dortmund has shown me nothing over the last what 9 years <laughs> here's suggest that they everybody, can make right? this
3: <laughs> what Jack is saying uh, you said exactly this on Friday on Patreon about Man City Tottenham you weren't even going to watch that game uh, did, because yeah. it was such a write-off you said Tottenham were going to get absolutely spanked of time I did do that and it <laughs> turned into one of the best games of the season a complete <laughs> shock to everyone so yeah. look that's why we watch football right because we don't know it is problem is of course yep. d- Jack
2: has an impeccable in the bag record so we do need to be wary of this as well <laughs>
3: yeah, well I mean when
0: the, when the bag goes the bag goes as we all know the true. first time the bag ever gets something wrong um, that's the end of the bag true. so so for now, for now, we'll uh, hold on this. Um, and I think, Sam, that takes us quite nicely into number two.
2: Yeah, so this is where it gets really interesting. And it's borderline 50-50 call. Cool and it's kind of like, what do you like more? What what works for you personally? And I'm almost certain that Jack and I are going to disagree on this one because I've put Serie A in second no, place. No, you
0: have not. Yes, I
2: have. Yes, I have. This is the correct answer. I'll tell you why. Um, so basically, to, to recap for those that haven't been t- paying attention to Italy recently, almost every single top side has forgotten how to win a game of football. And it is absolutely hilarious. Atalanta are in total freefall as a result of some really bad injuries over the course of January. And they've got no strikers. There's just nothing left. It's a Ruslan Malinowski free kick or they ain't going to win it. Juventus are somehow, despite not winning enough, anywhere near enough games, only nine points off, which is, I agree, too many points. It's too many points. However, in this title race, when everyone's forgotten how to win, it actually might not be too many points. Napoli had the chance to go top of the league on Monday, and they messed it up. They drew Mm -hmm. with Cagliari. It was so disappointing. Inter have spent much of the last three months in top spot, defending their title, but somehow... It's AC Milan who are actually top of the league right now. I don't really understand how any of this has happened. They have played one game more. Now, yeah, I was going to say have it, a game in hand. In this little like mini cluster of clubs here, I would say, in order of strength, it's Inter top, it's Napoli second, it's Milan third. And that's not currently what we're seeing. But what is really enthralling about this is the differences between the teams. They're not that big. They're bunched up together on 56, 54 and 54 points. I'm going to guess that over the course of the... The, the last stage of the season, there's no real massive degree of separation opened up here. I don't think anyone is going to pull away. And this is going to be a genuinely decent title race between potentially, well, definitely three. And again, I'm refusing to just rule Juventus out much to <laughs> Jack's absolute sugar in. It could be four. Juventus could still butt their heads into this equation because everyone's kind of lost their rhythm it's been really strange but it will make for an amazing race Juventus have won two games in the last five unbeaten in three months <laughs> they
0: won two games in the last five um, if they'd if they had a massive opportunity here to climb into this title race and they have absolutely flunked it um, if, no it's it's that easy game games against Torino <laughs> If Inter win that game in hand, they'd be 10 points clear with 12 games to go. I know there's no give guarantee, given what you just said, that mm. they win said game in hand. Um, but at some point, I do think, and especially given their situation in Europe, I think Inter will start to turn attention back to Serie now. Mm. And, and I think that will key, that'll be a key element. Napoli, I think, would have gone top if they'd played their full strength side on Monday night. They didn't. Uh, because they have a massive game against Barcelona on Thursday, um, in in a game that they they need to basically win if they're to keep their fight alive on a couple of fronts. Um, now you know if they're trying to do that and trying to play in in different competitions, that's fine. I think what makes this the best title race in Europe for me is that we spoke so much at the start of the season when we were talking about the Premier League about how oh it's so amazing, it's a three way title race, it's a three way title race. That's what makes it interesting. That's what makes it exciting. There three, is a three-way three title race. Three-way title race in Serie A. There four. is nowhere four. else. There's not a four-way title <laughs> race. There's a three-way title race. If Juventus are in it, so are Fiorentina. Um, Five.
2: <laughs> and that's g- ignoring Atalanta in fifth. Do you know what, um, actually? I've changed my mind. Serie A's top. It's a six-way title race. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: this is a three-way title race. It's the thing <laughs> we were so excited about in the Premier League. It didn't happen in the Premier League, but it is happening in Italy. And mm. these are three very, very good sides, three sides you know, steeped in history, uh, steeped in narrative. There's so many exciting concepts of how this plays out. I just can't believe you have put this in
2: second. Like I'm shocked and appalled. Well, let me, let me tell you why I believe in the premier league title race so much. It's not just because I'm English. It's not English bias or whatever. It is, as you say, just the two teams, not the three we expected. Chelsea have not quite held up their end of the bargain and it will be Manchester City versus Liverpool. Part of the intrigue here is that about a month ago, I was convinced there was no title race to speak of at all Mm -hmm. in England. And suddenly Liverpool have shot into the equation. Now, We sit here on Tuesday morning and record this goal goes out on the Wednesday. On the Wednesday night, Liverpool play Leeds. I fully expect Liverpool to beat Leeds and draw to within three points of Manchester City. So the gap is currently at six. It will probably be three. It will be three. And then they play each other. All right. At the Etihad uh, sometime later in the season. So, there's there's a clear path here. There's a clear path. And if Liverpool were to win that game and then these two teams stay consistent and win all of the other games, it genuinely comes down to goal difference at that point. And this, the thing is this, is, this is incredibly enthralling to me. Pep versus Klopp, City versus Liverpool. For me, they are the two best teams in world football. They are ranked one and two in my Champions League round of 16 seeding. And these are the two teams that are going to just basically embark on this gauntlet of nerve to see who can last out the season and who can pull off the wins that they need to. The last time this happened was in 2018-2019. City's got 98 points and Liverpool scored 97. City won 13 straight games to see out the league title. That might genuinely be necessary again. These two are so, so good. And these are going to be, this is the two best teams in the world who are going to be pushing each other for every inch, every centimetre, pushing each other domestically, and probably in Europe as well, to make sure that they see the best of each other. It's going to be amazing. This is football at its peak level, at its most intense. And, okay, it's impossible because obviously they can't both win all their own, the rest of their games because they play each other. But just, just for a comparison, if they did, which they can't, but they'd be 99 points and 96 points. It's basically <laughs> the same as 2018-2019. Mm. it's that close it's that level and we're also talking about that level nearly a hundred points for both teams this is absurd this is like footballing perfection this is as good as it gets this is elite level and that's why I have I have so much love for it because it's just the two best in the world drawing the best out of each other and it can only mean good things for those watching
3: yeah I I I know exactly where you're coming from here and I think that that's it like we didn't thi- you know it did look like City were running away with it. Jack said it was in the bag. At that point, no one was going to put up an argument. Man City were just destroying everything in their way. And Liverpool have kept plugging away and plugging away. Not only that, they've added depth to their squad since then as well. And they've actually now got an edge to them that nobody's too sure about. Like, Luis Diaz has brought something to that rotation that... Is confusing because we're not not sure exactly which part of that front line is even going to fit into. Like the goal that he scored at the weekend was different class. It was a pure Liverpool finish of any striker mm. that's presented in that situation. He's fitted in so seamlessly; it's unbelievable. Harvey Elliott comes in. He's shown that he can step up. I think Jordan Henderson's been brilliant recently. tiago is reaching levels I've not seen of him for a long time. Van Dyke's there, like the rock that they needed at the back again, and it's so exciting to genuinely have this title race alive again. Like you talk about a 2018-19 race. It was, oh my goodness, that was entertainment. Like It, it was unbelievable. Watching every single match was just yeah. so dramatic. It like, was. you you know, you tend to, to pick one that you wanted to win it, I guess. And, oh my goodness, yeah. the, just the, the drama that was involved. But do you, do you now, remember when course- Liverpool
2: drew at Goodison? And yeah. it, was, it was like 10 games before the end of the season or whatever it was. And everyone was like, that might be it. Like that yeah. one draw might be enough to see you not win the title. And it proved to be the case, largely thanks to Bernardo Silva. There was that game later in April, I think, when he just took it into his own hands at Old Trafford and just ripped United to shreds and made sure that City won that game. And it was the the company season as well, right, against Leicester. It was so tense. It was amazing. Like, I've never been glued to a title race like that in my life. I think we're on the cusp of that same thing.
3: Maybe. I mean, look, I'm not going to discount the the Italian race because like I did not think that AC Milan were going to be sitting in top spot right now. I I didn't have faith in them. Like I regularly say, um, Dortmund have flaws and, and traits that I can't trust. For Milan, it's been similar. But do you know what? They're showing a different edge too now. And it does give me some belief they can do it. And so I am excited about that too. Look, it's probably the fact that I live in England that I'm giving the Premier League to Sedge. Like, there's there's little doubt about that in my mind. But you probably aren't doing that because you watch football differently to how I do. Um, Jack thinks he's Italian, so he prefers Serie <laughs> A. Like, I don't know what it is. I have many nationalities.
0: Um, <laughs> uh, but um, many faces of Jack Collins. Um, I, I don't think it's that. I genuinely, I think for me, I completely understand where you're coming from, Simon. I do get it. I do get the, the like kind of the top of the range, like this is the elite where it gets to. What I think that lacks for me is trepidation, like the kind of chaos of being like, okay, you know, Milan are playing Cagliari today. They might lose. Like, <laughs> I don't think that when Liverpool play Norwich, you no. know, even when Norwich went one 0 up at the weekend, I was like, obviously Liverpool just win this game. Like, that's how I feel about it because I'm almost a bit like non-plussed by like you know the fact that there are two sides who are just blowing everyone else apart now obviously that's you know been changed by the fact that Tottenham went and beat city at the weekend in a game that I did not think they had a chance of winning considering Tottenham's form and how city have been playing uh, it's simple as that but I do think it lacks that kind of every single game. I'm like absolutely enthralled by. I watched that Napoli-Cagliari game yesterday. Napoli were rubbish for 80 minutes, and then they they scored in the 87, and then they should have scored again, right? And I was a bit like, "This is amazing. This is what you want from every single game in a title race. You want the fact that they just might not beat the you know side who are 18th at the table." Mm. Um, and I think that's what gives Italy, you know, aside from the three horses versus two horses thing. I think that's what gives Italy the edge for me because it's a bit like anything can happen on any given weekend. And that's amazing. Yes, there is obviously something absolutely incredible about watching two teams at the peak of their performance, the best in the world, Mm. completely agree with all of that. But I actually am more enthralled by the chaotic nature of what happens in Italy than I would be about the Premier League because I think that, you know, yes, I I think there will be games where they both maybe drop points, to and City. They might get a draw here and there. We saw City draw with Southampton recently as well. Um, but I think that considering where they are and the quality they are, we're going to see them win ninety-five plus percent of the games left in this season. Yeah, um, they and I do. don't think that at all about Serie A. No, I think we're, looking, no. we're going to be looking at like a seventy percent win rate, which makes this absolutely nuts. Um, and that's what gives it the edge. It's just,
2: yeah, I mean, it's just different preferences, isn't it? I mean, the, the just the, the the battle and test of of nerve that the Premier League title race is going to offer. Yeah. Um. in terms of you have to be perfect and you have to maintain yeah. perfection. And if you drop e- ever so slightly below perfection, it might genuinely be that if you draw one game, that's it. Yeah. That I is think that's incredible. It well. like,
3: incredible. At the me. moment, Man City and Liverpool are the two best teams in Europe and they're going head to head for yeah. a title. And yeah. the reason it's become a title race in Italy, is because no one's that good. Like they're obviously very good, but like they're no, they're not good enough to. If they were in the Premier League this season, where would they be finishing? Yeah, Fourth, I mean, look, I, mean I think we know. I think we know
2: that the, the Italian teams, the Italians' best, is not. It doesn't. It's not as good as England's not at all. So
3: that's that's not another right, no, reason no. I think to have Premier League first because that that quality barrier yeah. is premium as it can get again it's it's about it's about well it's personal practice different strokes isn't it Yeah, Um, yeah Jack
2: like shock horror Jack enjoys the chaos of of that and Dean you and I are more aligned to the 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 ment the mental capacity to withhold your to hold your nerve and to stay perfect.
3: Yeah. That's is- actual favourite title race is in the Vanarama probably or something yeah. like that. Or or in Denmark.
0: Oh, wait, Actually, you know what-, what
3: about Belgium? That's a good title race, isn't it? Well Be- it's not barely a title race, it's, mate. It's, it's, it's oh, not yeah, a title like, race. It's, U- um, Uli it's
0: a Ulion saint to Champions of the second tier last year. They're going to be champions of the top tier this year. That's amazing. And yeah. uh, we spoke more about that on Monday's uh, post box on our Ultra site. But yeah, that's amazing. I did want to mention Scotland because there is a genuine, real title race with real venom and, and bite in it in Scotland. And uh, I think that. Considering last year it sort of ran, Rangers ran away with it. The fact that it's level again, or, or seemingly level, towards the top of the SPL with at least two games to play between the two, um, between Celtic and Rangers left, and it makes that for an absolutely enthralling finish as well. Um, but yeah, I will, um, I will step down, Sam. It's your ranking, and um, <laughs> uh, and much as so I'm sad that you have put the Premier
2: League top, I, I understand your logic. Mm-hmm. Good to get some healthy disagreement in there, of course.
0: Uh, It's good to have a debate. It's always good to have a debate. Right. Um, After the break, we're going to be talking Melons of the Week and, of course, the gibberish rankings. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Ranks FC. It's time for everybody's favourite part of any given week. Dean Jones, the floor is
3: yours. It's time for Melon of the Week. This week's Melon of the Week is Neymar and Leo Messi. Two melons this week, lads, and two big penalties for PSG that were both missed in the space of four days. Now, Messi missed the chance, of course, to put them 1-0 up against Real Madrid in the Champions League on Tuesday. And then at the weekend, Neymar took an abysmal kick. Vinant at the weekend and, and PSG lost that game 3-1. So ultimately, I guess Neymar is the, the real melon as, as he had the chance to turn around a fixture, whereas PSG won the other game anyway. But ultimately, what comes out of this is I want Mbappe <laughs> to tell these two that they have no right anymore to take penalties. He is the man, the figurehead of this team. and He'll be taking penalties. And yes, I know he missed a crucial spot kick from France say. at the Euros in a shootout. But... He has a decent record. He's scored 17 penalties and he's missed four so far in his career. And personally, after seeing Messi's re- record recently, I don't think he should take another one in his career. Messi's record is Neymar, terrible
2: from the spot. I don't get it. It's awful.
3: I don't get it. But Neymar, Neymar misses because everything he does has to be a bit different, right? Like he wants to score goals that are remembered, even if it's a penalty like this one. When it goes wrong, it just goes disastrously wrong. And, and that was an example. It was just a horrible spot kick. Um so yeah, I, th- I think that both of them were melons for, th- for their, their misses and they shouldn't be missing, to be honest with you. That, that Players that are that good shouldn't be missing a penalty and Kylian Mbappe needs to make sure that if he's going to be the best player in the world like for the next 10 years, like he's expected to be, don't miss a single penalty, mate. Make sure you don't miss a single penalty. I don't have to throw this back at you too. I have to give a mention here too, lads, to New Zealand's Michaela Moore who yeah. scored a hat trick? I was of- going to say
0: she's she's breathed a sigh of relief after
3: wow. uh, after hearing who was Miller of the week. I think. Well, this is why. I mean, I had a lot of comments about this, and she scored a hat trick of own goals. A perfect hat trick. Yeah, via the US at the weekend. It was very very unfortunate for her. And to be honest, I just feel like she doesn't need anybody else getting on her back right now. <laughs> like, I genuinely hope she can put the moment behind her because she looked forlorn afterwards. I'm sure she's in a pretty bad place right now because she's become, well, she's written headlines all over the world. If you look up her name, it's just negative headline after negative headline and people making fun of her. From what I understand, like, she's got, She's a very good footballer and she's got a big career ahead of her. So I, I just genuinely hope that like, this doesn't derail that. So that's why I haven't given it to her. I, f- I feel like Messi and Neymar are able to take a melon on the chin, whereas I feel like she could probably do about it for now. Yeah, yeah
0: there's enough people giving her loads of grief. Also, I think, you know, just being a, an incredibly good human being and speaking out and doing some really cool stuff in the press. Oh, me? Is <laughs> one, no, not you. Funny, funny enough. Funny enough, <laughs> not you. Um, yeah, it's, um, it's it feels like uh, one to avoid, um, I, I thought. And, and, you know, we hope that she feels better because it was rough. Yeah, definitely. Um it was also in so incredibly unfortunate was actually the way I looked at it. You, like, look, you, at, were, you lucky, look at you look at you look at Neymar's this is actually it for me, right? You look at Neymar's penalty and you go, You're an idiot. What are you doing? Stop yeah. it. When you look at this hat-trick of own goals, you're like, oh, that's actually incredibly unfortunate. Like, two yeah. of them are deflections she knows absolutely nothing about. Like, it, it just felt like it was the, the two differing sides of one person here is trying to be clever, and one person here has just been incredibly unlucky. Uh, and that's the difference between being unfortunate and being an absolute melon. Um, totally. And so I, I agree. I agree heartily, Dave, uh, with this selection Good. process.
2: Right. The gibberish along. Okay. Okay. Gibberish. Time for gibberish. Right. Have you seen recently that as the world is starting to open back up again, particularly in England, but other places too, more and more people are starting to be asked to go back into the office. This is starting to become much more regular. Dean, I know this is something you're feeling at home as well. There are plenty who are more than happy to get back into the office and get back in amongst their colleagues and enjoy a bit more of a social life and get back to normal. But there's a pretty large percentage of people as well who don't really want to go back. They've settled into a, a life at home. Maybe it's a much more convenient. You know, you save money on the commute. You save a lot of time uh, without that commute as well. And some people during the pandemic literally just moved hours away. We know someone that used to live in London and uh, during the pandemic moved about two and a half hours away. So, uh, well, you can do your work from home, can't you? Doesn't matter where you live. You might as well go and live somewhere beautiful. But now offices are trying to coax people back into the office and some people are struggling with that. So I've put myself in the position of CEO of a 2000 person company with a massive headquarters in London. And I've decided how would I coax my reticent employees back into the office? What could I do? <laughs> what could I do to make this work? And so I've come up with my top three ways to do so. I'm super excited about this. At number three, every Wednesday, I would get someone to bring a ton of pick and mix in, like a pick and mix vendor, sweets and chocolate. And I would get people in and make sure that they could get they could fill up as much as they could in this big bag of pick and mix and take it home or eat it there. A lot of people would go donuts here. I think that's 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 pretty common. But I think pick and mix is superior to donuts because it's kind of like an all-weather suite, and you can have it. You can pick it up. You have a massive bag, and you can eat it for days and days and days. Donuts is very much a there-and-then scenario, isn't it? You can't take, like, four donuts home because they go all funny, right? No, they, go, you, they go hard. Or, at, or if you're just trying to eat a ton of donuts, like, okay, fine, I can't take them home. I'm going to eat three now. Then that's also like, probably quite bad news as well. Whereas pick and mix, you can have a little bit here, a little bit there. Save a little bit for that. Maybe give some to the kids when they get home. All right, it's a bit unhealthy. But if I was offered pick and mix, I would go back into the office. <laughs> well
0: we know the way to sam's heart lucy gets a free lunch on a wednesday in her office and therefore she always goes in on wednesdays um yeah, so, it's, so it's the free it's the food lunch incentives pick and mix. do work i don't pick think and, the lunch is pick and mix no you just get to pick something um well i suppose it is if you want it's a pick and mix of what
2: what they're offering of you real for food. food it's like
0: a it's a buffet do, do, um, just,
2: just pick and mix carry do people across the world know what that is
0: I don't know, um, but we'll find out pretty soon. I mean, I it's just in it's a bunch of, of different options for just sweets, different sweets, yeah, different some
2: candy, Ooh. jelly snakes, and chocolate mice and stuff like that. Stuff that we associate in England going to the cinema and going and getting some pick and mix, but you can get it in other places as well. Woolworths used to do a jelly bit. babies. Woolworths. Yeah, Woolworths did. Rest in peace, Woolworths. Woolworths. They Woolworths. did a a one pound ninety nine for as much as you can into this cup, and you were able to squish it all down. That was great.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. no, it wasn't. No. It was also you paid for the most places to pick a mix. You pay for how much weight yeah. you got in yeah. the. In this the box. wasn't the but case. Was wasn't that. It was just a cup, and yeah. you could just be able to fill it as much as you could, basically physically get in the cup. Yeah. Um, so yeah, was a was a great thing. No wonder Woolworths went broke. As I say Unfortunately, um, Woolworths are no longer with us. <laughs> they've
2: gone broke, and I think I know why. Um, yeah, I can I can see why. Can <laughs> yeah, see okay. why? Um, right, Sam was at two. Okay, number two, I would offer the opportunity to meet Wolf from Gladiators. <laughs>
3: I'd like to meet Wolf I, from Gladiators my friend is brothers with him so I could ask him are you serious
2: yeah this is fantastic alright for those yeah. that don't know Wolf <laughs> was a <laughs> character on a TV show in England in the 90s called Gladiators he was played by Michael Van Wyck Dean yeah. is that it I know his
3: brother Jim Van Jim Van Wyke. Oh. No, Jim Van Wyck. yeah he's, he's a he's a and football the, reporter Jim Van Wyck's a football reporter and he their other brother Arsenal.
0: their other brother Virgil plays for Liverpool <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well,
3: anyway, yeah, look, Jim's
2: brother, yeah. This, for yeah. those that don't know or didn't get it, this show, Gladiators, it basically, you, it would let like, a member of the public come to an arena in Birmingham in front of 10,000 people, and they would compete against trained bodybuilders and professional athletes in a series of like obstacle courses or gauntlets or like you stand on the podium and try and hit each other off or whatever. You climb a pyramid. It was unreal. This was like peak television. Beyond sport, beyond actual like football and stuff, this was, this is this was the golden era, and Wolf was like the bad guy. So he was like one of the one of the bodybuilders on 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 the rotation. The crowd absolutely loved to hate him. He always got under the skin of the contestant. He always mocked them or, or belittled them in a, in a relatively um family friendly way, um, and then would often go ahead and beat them. He'd get in their heads as well as beat them athletically. Yeah. I'd love to meet him. I really would. Um, I read an interview recently. That's, he's sixty-seven now, I think, and he's in phenomenal shape. He's like yeah. got like a ketone diet and like uh,
3: all sorts of stuff. And I'll get him to record one of those oh, messages, be, video messages. That'd be brilliant. For you. Yeah.
2: I mean, look if i if I was in charge of a major office in the UK, I would say, look, every Wednesday, every Thursday, whatever it is, you can come in, you can fifteen minutes with Wolf. Hell, do the do the, do the hanging bars with him. Absolutely. He still he, he, he says he's ex- in, he's in great shape. Apparently, he says he could still do Gladiator yeah. now.
0: I was wow. trying to find a, the the actual description of how to explain gladiators. to someone who didn't watch it. Uh, it's a bit like Ninja Warrior, but instead yeah. of just doing it yourself and beating the other contestants, you just had all these like random people dressed in like weird outfits trying to knock you off the course. Yeah. Um, that's the best way I think I could describe it.
2: Yeah, that's a good yeah. way of doing it. Anyway, number one way that I would draw people into the office, puppies. Puppies, just bring puppies in. Get a local dog shelter, get them on the phone, say bring as many puppies as you can find. Hold them in by the truckload fill the office with puppies i bet that not only would you get your own employees turning up for work you get people from other offices trying to enter your building trying to get in and see these wonderful wonderful puppies and do you want let, that just not probably not no but that's how <laughs> strong a, that's how strong a draw puppies are and you just let them run around scamper around for a couple of hours you know play play a little bit with them feed them have them run around the sofas that you might find one under the desk oh what's going on there I think that would just be amazing. What a great atmosphere to work in. Wouldn't get much done, but you get people in the office. Well, you, this is kind of
0: almost <laughs> reticent to the point, right? Yes, people would come back, but you wouldn't gain anything off them. In fact, they do less work because they'd be too busy looking after. puppies. Pa- I would do zero work if there were like three puppies running around the office. I'd just be like lying on the floor.
2: Sure, me too. But I was trying to say maybe for like one, <laughs> one or
3: two hours. Yeah, they take the dogs away, loads more work.
2: Ideal world scenario. Then I'd just be you know? sad that the well, dogs would be gone and well, I wouldn't no, because, do any work either. way. You know, what, you know, one or two of those dogs might find a new home by the end of the day.
0: Well, yeah, I'd be like, how about we just keep this here and then I can <laughs> yeah. play with it every day and not do any work? I
2: meant, take it home, you nutter. <laughs>
3: Taylor's just found a place near us whereby there is um, a rescue home for dogs and you can put your name down and you go and take them for walks at certain points in the day so that you you're like given a slot and you turn up and you choose a dog to take for a walk for an hour. And then you make a you can make a donation, then you give it the dog back and you can book your next time and you wanna take a dog for a walk. She I've never seen her so excited in twelve helped. years I've known her. <laughs> I can
0: imagine it probably helps loads because it means that they don't have to worry about doing the, all the exercise for all the dogs. And yeah, people are far more likely to donate if they're like, I've met this dog and it's well nice. I wanna help yeah. I wanna help it out.
3: Yeah, totally. And again, yeah, she's like if excited. you take a
0: dog for a walk three or four times, you might be like, right, I'm going to adopt this fella. That's
3: the thing. That's what I'm worried about, mate. I do not <laughs> want a dog. I was like, you've got two kids already. Adding a dog to the mix <laughs> is going to be difficult oh, for you, imagine. Oh, my days. Imagine All- that, having hand, foot and mouth.
0: Although, although, yeah, exactly. Although <laughs> I would add that maybe if you've already got two kids, the worst is out of the way. The dog would just be
3: like a, an amusement. Oh, I don't know, mate. I, I can see that things can still get worse. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful, <laughs> well, Dean. i don't think dean's
0: as hot on the puppy ideas ham as you and i are So no, he wants um, to be well, no, we talk about it all the
3: time <laughs> we talk about it all the time and taylor loves dogs but she's like can't handle it right now not with a four-year-old and a one-year-old it's like when they get a bit older i'll become a bit more open to it but
0: i think that's the exact time to get one because then by the time you're out of the that period where you have to look after the children all the time the dog will be old enough to look after yourself
3: You've never spin around my ass between four and seven PM.
0: Yeah, but I mean, adding like a mad little, a mad little mongrel into the mix is probably a great idea. I don't maybe. maybe. I, I think it would make things far more entertaining. Okay. For the inevitable TV show, dinner with the Joneses.
3: Yeah. Um,
2: All right, Jack and Jet. Jack, we'll get you. Yeah, we'll get you a dog. Dean, we'll set you up with Jet. I'll speak to Wolf Thanks. and I'll eat
3: some pick and mix while we do it. Wow. Fantastic. What a what day. What a month we've got lined up.
0: Can't wait to get into like. Can't wait to get into ranks HQ this week? Um, we'll see how we. Can Go. Right uh, on that bombshell. I think we're probably going to call this one a day, and yeah? all that's left for me to do say so thank you very much, Sam Ty. Cheers, mate. Thank you very much, Dean Jones. Cheers, mate. I've been Jack Collins. Remember that if you want to enter the competition to win a signed Porto shirt, get over to our socials, and that there's going to be some YouTube videos up this week on our YouTube channel, including a full Europa League breakdown ahead of this Thursday's ties Thank you ever so much for listening as ever. Take it easy, Rank Squad. Peace. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system, or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com/ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward/ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com/ranks.